Welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for this segment is our Director of Economic Development, Darren Solden. Hey, Darren. Hi, Jason. It's great to be here today. We have a great guest with us for this segment, uh, Lowell Colmeyer, who is our Chairman of Economic Development. Hey, Lowell. Hello, guys. So you're with Kansas State Bank here in Manhattan. Talk a little bit about uh, how you ended up in Manhattan and how you ended up with Kansas State Bank. Oh, gosh, we've been in Manhattan for 38 years now. Uh, initially, I came from, I come up with an ag background, uh, but Stacy and I moved back, both of us here in 84. Uh, initially, just worked in the farm credit system, previously farm credit in Northeast Kansas, uh, which is now known as Frontier Farm Credit here. And then in year 2000, I made the switch over to Kansas State Bank, which is now known as KS State Bank, but still the same family-owned operation that it was back then. I am glad you clarified that because I have heard it Kansas State Bank, I've heard it KS State Bank, I've heard K-State Bank, So, but it is KS State Bank. But we'll answer to all. Answer to all of them. All right. So what is the history of KS State Bank in Manhattan? I think it was 1964 that Mr. Howe founded the bank uh, and started it there. Uh, Phil, as he's well known around town to a lot of folks and things, is still involved in the bank. He is still the chairman of the board, along with one of the uh, original board members, Roger Sink. And Roger is the vice chair of the board and still involved with the bank. So we've been in town for a long time. At one time, Phil had sold the bank on contract. That didn't work. He came back in 84 and took it back over, and we've been rolling it ever since. And, of course, Phil Howe, a great Manhattan citizen and does so much for this community. And you, and you mentioned Roger Sink, and Roger Sink is the same way. So those are two great Manhattanites. Uh, why does the bank think it's important to be involved in the Chamber of Commerce? Well, I, I think that the, the chamber and the bank, that a lot of the missions are the same as trying to improve the community and the community that we serve. The chamber does a lot of different things. Even though I'm on economic development, we have the different arms, whether it be the member services, the Fort Riley, the military, uh, public relations and all the things that are just centered. But the chamber is a good conduit to as a go between between a lot of the people and a lot of the agencies that are involved, uh, political versus non-political and things, saying it's just, it's a good voice for the businesses in town. And of course, uh, you've been active with the chamber for a while. So uh, when did you get active and and why? People are going to figure out how old I am here for long. Uh, It it started back uh, in the late 90s when I probably got more involved, but it's probably a group of individuals similar to what we have now as far as hype, the young professional group. There are a lot of young professionals that we were hanging around with that were involved in businesses and going and moving. Uh, And it just kind of clicked a little bit. I got involved with the first Flint Hills Leadership Program, and we went through that. And at that time, I saw kind of a need or felt like we need and several other of us in town. And for a period, we had Leadership Manhattan, what it was before, but there was a pause in the program and it was dropped after going through that. We did 
Leadership Manhattan. And from then, it kind of stuck really hard as far as the importance of going back through there after getting into that program, seeing the needs. And then another great individual that was chair of the uh, chamber at that time, Roger Schultz. Once he got your hooks into you, you were there <laughs> and things. So kind of grew on from there. Yeah, so you've done a lot of things with the chamber, and obviously your current role is as chair of the Economic Development Committee. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the committee and and uh, its mission and who serves on it? Advantage Manhattan has been around now for 15, 20 years. Uh, that's kind of how I got involved with it. Uh, but one of the things that that program helped identify the need for is the Economic Development Committee, I believe, as far as to emphasize the advocacy that that group can provide to the board of directors of the Chamber of Commerce. We're able to, I'm going to say, provide an important link between needs and services and bring the right people together and deliver that out there so that appropriate decisions can be made. And so been involved with it for a while. And in order to be part of the Economic Development Committee, which is just an arm of the board itself, is at your level of donation to Advantage Manhattan. We do have those standing members that are there, but we also have at-large members that we select. You probably know the number, but I'm thinking there's probably 20 or 25 on that uh, economic development committee from all aspects of business and relationships and things around the community. And it's just not all Manhattan-based. We reach out for the region uh, to Pike County and, and Geary County and things into that through the years. We actually just went to 30 members. So Okay. <laughs> 30 members, and they are definitely spread around. We've got representation from a number of different communities, lots of different types of businesses. Um, what are some of the priorities right now for the Economic Development Committee? The ones that we're probably highlighting the most here this last two years and things are things that we have identified, uh, kind of going down in order of the the agenda from a previous meeting, uh, you know, we're looking hard at the child care issue. One of the things that we've identified through the workforce issues that we've experienced in the Manhattan, Pike County, nationwide, statewide, and everything is the shortage of health care uh, or the lack of health care for that. So we have special group working, subgroup working on that. Matt Crocker is leading that there along with help of Natalie Gordon and several others and making some progress and things into that. But that is one of the top priorities into there. One of the things that a previous chair, Mark Basham, last year identified a need to work on was the availability of uh, building and sites for expansion and other things. So we have a building and sites committee where we're trying to identify sites uh, that are available that we could possibly develop or have be ready to be developed. In your roles, uh, you know, when you have people say, hey, we're really interested in coming to Manhattan, they say, what do you have available? We have nothing available at this time or limited sources available. We've recently worked through a spec program with the help of borrowing from the city and things into that and, and starting into that. And, and then we're always looking for prospects, you know, and seeing what we can do to do that. But those are the main ones it, right it's, now. It's an interesting dynamic. We were talking to C. Clyde Jones recently and about his time as the chairman of the chamber in 1965 and some of the things that impacted him during that period. And one of them was that they lost uh, Case New Holland, or now it's Case New Holland. Back then it was New Holland to Grand Island, Nebraska, because they didn't have an adequate site. And I, <laughs> I said, and I laughed and said, you know, we faced those same challenges today. 
the more things change, the more they stay the stay same. Stay the same. Exactly. Well, Lowell, we really appreciate your leadership of our Economic Development Committee and, and all of our all of our committee members. You've spoken to some of the things that the committee does. Speaking to the average Manhattan citizen, why should they care about economic development? I think economic development goes hand in hand with the health of the community. I think that we have to have good economic development and continued. And economic development, in my mind, is not only attraction, like we talked about it, but it also is retention and expansion of the businesses and things for a quality of life. You know, that's what the citizens, all we're trying to do here is to be competitive. If we don't have those things, where we start losing some of those qualities of life, good schools, good transportation, it all works hand in hand. So we have to stay moving and we have to stay growing and expanding. And, and like I said, we talk a lot about attraction, but it's also about retention and expansion of our existing as well. Yeah. And of course, our program also, we focus on entrepreneurship, which we've talked a lot about on this show uh, over the last few months. And then now we're in the talent attraction business. So uh, we can we can attract a lot of jobs. But if we don't have the people to fill those jobs, uh, we lose that impact as well. And I know those are challenges you all face even at the bank. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but once they all fit together, they fit together nicely. But it's just getting them all there. And, and I may be a little biased, but I think our economic development team right now is is one of the best and, and they do a great job. So appreciate them uh, working on that. So uh, we talked a little bit about this, but what are some of Manhattan's greatest challenges and what are some of our opportunities? The greatest challenges, I think, are just trying to keep up uh, and there with that. You know, there's a lot of forces that are working against us right now, but a lot of those are out of our control. But those same forces are working against a lot of other people as well. COVID changed uh, the lives of many. And we talked about that a little bit this morning uh, in meetings, like we're going to blame a lot on COVID over the years. We probably will. But I think it's also one of those things is you can learn from those things and take and, and build. You know, one of, I think, the things that we can challenge ourselves with is that now all of a sudden it doesn't appear that people, you know, want to go necessarily. They we're available to move. They can telecommute. They can work remotely. We can emphasize upon that. The location and things with that as some of the sites that we had visited about. All of a sudden, we're not competing just because it's not close to Kansas City. We're located in Manhattan, and that's a good thing. And nothing against Kansas City and things, but we lose a few of those things that we're we're drawbacks or barriers before, I think, that we can capitalize on. We still have the strength of the community. You know, we have the fort. There's a lot of things with the fort. We're worried about what goes on there now with the uh, conflict that we're involved with around. We have the university. We have the technical college and things with it. We have the foundation. There's a lot of teams working together. Those are our challenges to keep those things all in sync and going. Yeah, we really we really do have a cohesive um, group in this community working together. And we have to, right, because we're we, we're a smaller community than a lot of other places that we compete with. What I like about the Economic Development Committee, too, and the makeup of that along with those lines is that with the membership we have, we can draw from individual talent within them. If we have a need for this, we kind of know who to who to talk to or who needs to go to this one and carry that ball for us for a while. So kind of an unusual uh, element of chamber life for the Colmeyers uh, has been at separate points, by separate groups, 
you were appointed or asked to be serve as the chairman of the Economic Development Committee. And then at the same time, your wife was asked to serve on the executive committee of the chamber. Do you guys talk smack to each other about, <laughs> about who has the better appointment or how that works? Or There's no smacking going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, you know, we have probably similar philosophies, a lot of the things that we've done. Stacy has always been very active in the chamber. One of that actually, you have several that are now on the board that have been on the chamber uh, staff at one time yeah, or yeah. another and things with it when she came back out of West Star was there for a while. We both care very deeply about Manhattan. We're making that our home. This is where we're going to retire when, if and when that ever occurs. Uh, we're not going and we want to see this thing. We want to see the quality of life expand. We have one son that lives here and probably will stay here as well too. So hopefully they'll all come back. Anything else about your chamber experience that you want to highlight or that you think is important for people to know? You meet a lot of interesting people going through it. You build a lot of friendships going through it. You learn a lot of things as far as how to expand and things, why things happen the way they do sometimes. And sometimes you sit in the back on the sidelines. You don't know everything that goes underneath. And it makes you appreciate when do things do come together. It's a good feeling of things with it, but it's a gas. <laughs> well, Lowell, we appreciate you and your service and your leadership on the Economic Development Committee. And thank you for being with us today on the Think MHK podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Lowell. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. My co-host for this segment is Sharla Meisenheimer. Hey, Sharla. Hey, Jason. So I know we have one of your favorite people on today. And of course, it's he's involved with one of your favorite programs. Yes. It's not your favorite. I don't, I don't know if there are any other programs that might get I love upset all by of you my programs that. equally. Yeah, and I know. And you love all your volunteers equally, I too. Do. I do know that. But I know, I know our guest has a special place in your heart. We have with us Steve Altabello, who is the Chief Financial Officer for Schilling Construction and Chair-Elect of Leadership Manhattan. Hey, Steve. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Welcome to the Think MHK podcast. Yeah, I appreciate being here. And, and Charlotte, I am one of your favorites, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's, good, it's good to hear that. You said one. So, okay, we can go, we'll go with one. She's got more than one. Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up with Schilling Construction in Manhattan. Really kind of going way back, I was brought here you know, to Manhattan when I was 10 years old because my dad was in the military. Did my high school here, went to K-State here. Uh, while I was in school at K-State, I, I met my now wife, who is uh, a daughter of Mike Schilling, who's you know one of the co-owners of Schilling Construction. At the uh, kind of tail end of my college time, you know, I came and helped out uh, in the accounting department, actually right next door to where we are at that point, and uh, spent about a year and a half, two years doing like an accounting internship. Graduated from K-State, ended up moving out to Kansas City with my wife for 12 years. And, you know, the family business kept calling and calling. And, and uh, finally, I said, you know, it's time to move home. It's time to come back to a place where it's good to raise a family, um, you know, where, the, where we know the community and, you know, we're ready to get back into it. You know, so we showed back up and they gave me a job. And, you know, so here I am. Yeah. So you were a Manhattan high grad. That's right. Yep. And then, and then um, just played football at Kansas State. I correct? did play football at K-State. You know, so I walked on to the K-State football program after um, my first semester of college. 
you know, I decided I missed it, missed football and had a friend on the team and thought, you know, he could do it. I can do it. And so, um, you know, me and one of my roommates actually went and walked on and spent four years playing for coach Schneider. So what was that experience like? Amazing. Right. You know, when, you know, when I, when I joined the team, it was January of 1997, you know, for the history buffs of Kansas state football, I played for the 97 through the 2000 seasons. We went 44 and seven, went to four bowl games, played in two big 12 championships, put together the best record that, that, you know, has been seen in a four year time. So it was awesome. You know, we went to the Fiesta bowl, you know, cotton bowl, you know, know, went to San Diego for a holiday bowl. I mean, just, it was a great time. It was a good, good time to be a teammate. And as we talk about leadership, of course, you, you may have played for one of the greatest leaders and certainly in the history of football. What was that like? Something that's hard to ever explain. I get the question all the time. You know, what was Coach Schneider like or what was, what was he like as a leader? Um, and the one thing I've always answered was his attention to detail was unmatched. You know, I mean, we, our, our days were programmed down to the minute, you know, and, and it wasn't like, Hey, show up at 1105. It was showing up at 1103, you know, <laughs> and you never knew why, but it was just because the details mattered. He, he didn't want to spend five minutes at the meeting. He wanted to spend two minutes at the meeting. And, and, you know, the other, the other aspect I learned from him as a leader is like, you can't coach 120 players. He spent his time coaching the coaches, you know, so you got to coach, coach your managers, coach your, your other team members to help them coach their people and then give them the tools to be able to do that. It's great coach. So talk about Schilling Construction. What's the history of that company in Manhattan? Schilling Construction was founded in 1964 by Merle Schilling, who was Mike's Mike Schilling's dad and Doug Schilling's dad. Mike was there from the beginning. Doug, Doug was 14 years old at the time and he, you know, worked in the summers, you know, um, you know, helping out and when, when he could. Early on, Mike went to Vietnam, uh, came back from that and joined the company full time. Both Mike and Doug took over the company in the mid eighties after Merle passed away and have been running it ever since. I've come in, uh, Doug ha- has a son, Travis, who's really heavily involved. And, you know, so we're helping run the company now as, as those guys start to try to transition out. From a community aspect, of them, you know, we've been involved forever. It's, it's funny enough, right before I came here, you know, Mike was in my office and I said, can you tell me how, how long have we been a member of the chamber? And he just kind of gave me this look of like, oh man, a long time, <laughs> decades, you know, that we've been a member of the chamber. And Mike's involvement in the community has been there forever. He's a former you know, a chair of the, the board of directors for the, for the chamber. He's, he's always talked about how important, it, you know, to be involved in the community has been ever since I've known him. That's the late 90s. That's what we do. You know, we're an asphalt paving company, you know, and so some people say, how do you help your community? I'm like, well, we, we build your roads and we, your streets and your parking lots. You know, we're the ones who help make it nicer. You know, I'm proud of that. You know, it's it's something that we get to come in and do. You know, we we bring in money from outside sources. You know, we're funded by KDOT and, you know, sometimes the cities and counties, those are taxpayer dollars coming from other places sometimes. And we spend that money here. You know, I, th- I think in a lot of different aspects, we, we help out the community. So you talked about your company's involvement uh, with the Chamber and Schilling Construction's history. What about you? What made you decide you wanted to get involved with the Chamber? Several things. Um, going going back even you know before my time at Schilling, my parents had a company, uh, a business here in town, and they were chamber members back in the late nineties. You know, they took a little break and then came back in the the late two or the mid two thousand ten ish, and until they closed the business about six years ago. So they were always involved. You know, they they did things with the chamber. They did you know Rotary. They're B and I. All your kind of networking things in town. So you know you know being involved with other people was always something that was there for me. At, you know, as my young age. You know, when I was younger, um, Mike is you know Mike Schilling's always been a 
you know, a, a role model in that, that he's always not only talked about how important it is, but supported, you know, everybody's aspect of, aspect of it. And then when I was in uh, Kansas City, you know, I spent time in their leadership program there. That really brought it all home of like, okay, here's what the chamber does and here's how it helps the community and all that. Probably never said this out loud, but that was one of the things that drove me home. You know, that it's, it's weird that you, you go through a leadership program for a different city and all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, this may not be the right place for me. I can make a difference somewhere else. And, and in a community, I know that's better and, and I can even make it better. So that, that, that was like one of the catalysts that got me turning towards home. Well, we're glad that that happened on several different levels. But it's worked out amazingly. So, And that leadership program actually is two years in length. That's right. During your selection, I talked to someone with the selection crew or the committee when you were going through and on their program, they have to give a reference letter and yours was from Coach Snyder and he said, that's all I needed to know. Correct. Coach said he was good <laughs> enough and he's good enough for us. So yeah. that was pretty great. So what was your perception um, of our chamber before you got involved here? I didn't know a lot about it. You know, I, I kind of touched on, I, I knew some things, I knew some aspects of it, but um, one of the things I didn't realize of what was done by the chamber was the advocacy side, you know, and I probably should have known better. I mean, it's, I mean, when you really get down to it, like, what's the point of the chamber? But, you know, I, I never put that together uh, until getting more involved here. You know, just the, you know, the, the business advocacy committee, Dick Carter being one of our, um, you know, I, I, you know, until I went through leadership Manhattan, I had no idea we had a, you know, a lobbyist, you know, that, that helps our chamber out and, and our community out. I had a good perspective of it, but I just didn't have the full, the full deal and, and leadership Manhattan really drove that home for me. And how do you think that it's helped you grow in your profession? I think it's given a lot of opportunities to be around um, maybe like-minded people, um, people who are driven to make the community better because the people who go to those chamber events, uh, the uh, members of the community that go through leadership Manhattan, um, you know, participate in the committees for the chamber and all that. They're all driven in some form or fashion. They all like goals. They all like to succeed and, and get better. And it's kind of one of those things, surround yourself with good people, right? You know, that's, that's how you're going to get yourself better and grow. I think being able to do a lot of that stuff has really helped. I think coming, if I had to come back to Manhattan and never gotten involved, I, I mean, how could I be a better leader at my, at my business if I, if I don't have anybody pulling me up? I think highly of myself, but I, I realize that uh, for one to grow, it takes other people. You know, this, you can't do it by yourself. So um, Leadership Manhattan is a program that is well known throughout Manhattan. And, and we have over you know, 300 alumni of the program. And um, we're certainly overwhelmed with that. It's, it's, it's great. And we're, we're very humbled by that. Why do you feel like so many people rave about, about their experience? Well, for, for me, one of the things was like, it's, it's, it, it kind of marries that leadership training, you know, like, you know, there's still aspects that young people still, they know they can be good leaders, but they still, you know, want somebody to point it out, somebody to point them in the right direction, give them the tools, those kind of things. You kind of marry that information, leadership training with information itself. You know, I think about like a lot of the um, underlying stuff of how the city works, how the, how politics, state politics work to, um, you know, how do our school, how does our school district work and what, what are the different aspects of colleges and, you know, how, how does that all tie together? And you don't really know until you do something like leadership Manhattan. And I think that really brings it out for people that, that that's the takeaway. Even now as a, as a chair, you know, elect on the, on the, on the board and how I'm going back, almost like you go to, I go to all these sessions, it's almost like going back through it and I'm still learning. I think people's thirst for, for learning is, you know, make something out of it. And I think that's what you're doing is you're learning how to be a better leader. You're learning more about your city. 
you're connecting with people and, you know, by connecting with people, you're learning how to communicate better. And, you know, communication now leads to, you know, how, how do we solve this problem, you know, together, you know, you get together for the leaders retreat, you know, can we, can we communicate better now because people are better leaders and, you know, so it's, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think people really enjoy that, you know. Important question. Uh, which exactly is the best class ever? Do we, do we know that? Well, it's 2018. <laughs> oh, 2018. Okay. And then I have several other in mind that are probably second. I got you. Okay. <laughs> so you personally, what did you, what do you feel like you got from the program? I think some of it was just learning more about what the city was. I mean, I, I talked about the business advocacy, learning about them, you know, having a lobbyist and, you know, that kind of stuff, um, being connected with more people that are like me again, you know, like, you know, we still get together as a class, you know, the, the best one ever, right. You know, we, we still get together and have lunch and, you know, building those friendships and, you know, knowing people when you go to things, cause that's another thing as well. Sometimes it's hard to get in, you know, immersed into a community. You try to go to a, an after hours and there's 200 people there and you don't, maybe don't know many of them, but you know, you go through something like leadership at hand, you show up to that and you, you can see 10 of them from, from, from 15 feet away. Right. You know, they're all, they're all in the area and then they can help you get connected with other people. So. And you decided to uh, move into a board position on leadership Manhattan. What made you decide to do that? And what has that experience been? And why did you decide to agree to be the chair? I was honored to be asked for one, you know, it's, um, went through my first couple of years and, um, I've, I've always been interested in, you know, being more of a leader. And I think when you get on a board like that, you know, either, either somebody who just helps out or you're somebody who can get really involved and try to lead from that position. Fortunately, they asked me to be the selection chair one of the years. And, um, I feel like that probably went well. Um, and I, and then I think they needed, you know, somebody to kind of step into, you know, you know, from a succession standpoint, cause we're always moving people along from, you know, vice chair to chair and so on, you know, and I was asked and, you know, never thought twice about it. It's, you know, an opportunity to help lead, help in, you know, to me, it's one of the most impactful programs for what we have, especially for the young people in the community. I like helping young people, you know, I like being, you know, a mentor type person. I think that gives me that opportunity. It's great. So, uh, Charlie, you may jump in here as well. Uh, we just wrapped up uh, class of 22. So talk about schedule and um, if somebody's interested, how do they find out how to apply and what, what are the dates for something like yeah. that? Steve will take over as chair in July of, of 2022 and lead us all the way through the class of 2023, which is crazy when we think about that. So nominations for class um, uh, applications will begin in September. One of the probably biggest misnomers people have of the program is that you have to be not nominated to fill out an application, which is not true, but uh, we want to give our alumni and those in leadership the opportunity to nominate someone that they feel like would be good to go through the program, but you do not need to be nominated um, in order to apply. And the application will be online along with the dates. And so it's actually manhattan.org and it's on the front page. It's right there to click on leadership Manhattan. I will tell you that the dates, uh, by the time uh, September rolls around, the dates will be set. We set those in a retreat in the summer so that those are all taken care of. We start in January and typically end in April. Uh, we have seven sessions, which is relatively new 
Um, we just added an additional session two years ago. So we continue to, to make changes and morph that program around. And you could kind of talk about that a little bit from the viewpoint of that we are always changing the curriculum a little bit. This year we added the piece of the trails, right? Like go out and pick a, pick a park was a new piece for us this year. The planning for it's, it's, it's an iterative process that, you know, we're taking the feedback from the participants um, through the, you know, like right now, we're, you know, you know we're, we're, we've listened to the 2022 class and we're saying what, what they like and what didn't they like. And, and then we kind of morph that into what can we change and what can we make better? Because we, we just want to improve on what we're doing. I think programming's awesome. Um, but there's a little, there's a little tidbits here and there that can be better. There's always hot topics going on, you know, whether it's somebody or, or, or something's new happening it could be in the legislative type thing, it, you know, the, the, that kind of stuff comes up and then we want to hear about it. You know, COVID was a big one, right? You know, at, at one point, you know, you know, that was, you, know, you couldn't talk about anything without talking about COVID. Um, you know, you put together a medical task force to, or a panel to talk about how did, how did the city react to that? Or how did the medical professions hap- react to it? What was the leadership out of all that? You know, and that, that's what we're always trying to drive home is how do we, how can we pull this stuff together and still show what leadership means and, and how did people do that in real life? And that, that was a great example of it. But yeah, we're always trying to build on that. And it is a competitive application process. So there is. how many are selected? Um, we only take between 16 and 20. So and, and it's not we'll unusual have, to have 60 to 70 applications. Encourage people to, as we get further into the summer, uh, look at Manhattan.org. And if you're interested, get that application and fill it out yes. or get somebody to nominate you. That's, That's right. You could do that too. So Steve, last question. What would you tell someone thinking of joining the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce? I would say if if they're on the fence, you know, which they shouldn't be, but if they are, um, I would tell them that if by not joining, you're going to limit your business. You're going to you're going to limit the ability for that business to grow, because being a member in the chamber allows you access to the connections. Um, people are more willing to do business with you. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times Shaw I've reached out to you and said, "Hey, I'm looking for this. Who are the other chamber members that do this?" That's where I'm looking to go first when I'm looking to buy something for my business or whatever. And I think other people do that. Um, you miss out on those connections. You miss out on the, on, you know, you know, talking to somebody at the leaders retreat and you know, kind of connecting something together saying, Oh, I could help you with this or, you know, those, you know, that kind of stuff. Or you start to become somebody's front of mind. If you're not in the chamber, you're, you're really missing out on that stuff. And then if they are joining, you know, the one thing I would tell them is like, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Don't join and not do anything. Go to the after hours, go to the, or do the morning Tuesday coffee mornings or the vibe, the vibe. Yeah. Yep. There you yep. go. <laughs> and then good, and good morning, Manhattan. Good morning, Manhattan. That's what good, I was thinking and, of. Yeah. Do all that stuff, you know, get, get out, meet people, you know, find a committee, do leadership Manhattan, you know, go on to the, into the leaders retreat, you know, all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't just join, pay your dues and then be like, man, I got nothing out of it. You know, it's because you didn't, you didn't put anything into it. Music to our ears. Those are, those are the kind of members that we need. So Steve, thank you so much uh, for your leadership. Uh, thank you for uh, your volunteerism and helping us with this important program. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate being here. I'm, I'm so glad you thought of me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.